What is up, party people? Welcome to season 15 of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Andy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at a handle on Twitter, or you can find me at Romancing Nancy on Twitter. If you're so inclined, assuming that Twitter is still a thing when you're listening to this, because who knows? Maybe blue sky. We don't know. We just don't know. We're going to see how it shakes out. So, my fellow Nancy Drew enthusiasts, we are back in the mystery story, so we're we're hitching our eye back into the past. Um, we're in 1969 for The Invisible Intruder, which has a manta ray on the cover, but not a usual manta ray, a creepy one, because there's some weird shit happening in this episode. <laughs> also, Nancy and Ned are depicted on the cover, which is unusual for the mystery stories. Like, in the Nancy Drew Files, it's even unusual. So, I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. This is like a bone that somebody threw to me many years before I was born that was like, you know what, you're going to enjoy this one. And I was like, you know what, fucker, you ain't wrong. So, um... The weird thing about this book is when I was reading it, like, twice in the text, like, very deliberately, Nancy is like, that is really cool. And at the end of it, somebody's like, that is groovy. And I was like, oh my god, y'all, it's 1969 and they're finally like, what slang are the youngs using at this point that we can throw in here to make it seem like Nancy is not a 1930s creation? I enjoy that they're trying real hard. They get that kind of fucked up gold star with the comic sans on it that says, you tried, it's fine. Like, I mean, it's cool. Nancy Drew is never going to be like at the edge of any sort of fashion trends, like anything like that. She's out there to find clues, fuckers. Like, this is her goal. This is why she is here. The premise of this one is, what if Nancy and her friends decided to do ghost busting? But, because, again, Nancy doesn't believe in ghosts, it's like, ghost busting as in we're going to catch the Scooby-Doo people behind this. Or Elrond, because I really firmly believe that Elrond is the villain in all of the mystery stories that were published between, like, 1955 or so to present day. So, it's it's all Elrond all the time. All, like, just a variety of wigs and hats. He is Jean Parmesan and all of this. He's just, he's just here to pop out. And, but, but unlike Jean Parmesan, he's, he's fucking evil. So, there's that. So, Nancy's talking to her dad in the backyard, which, he's on a chaise lounge, which is never spelled the way I ever expected it to be. And he's just hanging out, and Nancy's, like, next to a rose bush. I was like... Set that scene, y'all. Let's let's do some stage directions. And Nancy's like, Daddy. She she never says daddy. Please understand that. This these would be infinitely creepier if there was any of that. Anyway, she's like, Dad, there we go, that's better. Um, there's a bunch of couples who are doing some ghost hunting and I would like to go with them. And he's like, So you don't believe in ghosts? And Nancy's like, Absolutely not. And he's like, What could go wrong? <laughs> So, she tells him about all the places they're going to go. There are five places they're going on this ghost hunting adventure. Five places. Because Nancy's like, you know what? One, nope, fuckers. I've done that before. Mm Mm-mm. We're doing all of them. We're finding all the ghosts in a tri-state area. So, anyway. So, somebody in the group, and I can't remember who, um, like, is really into this shit. And so, they've, like, collected a a variety of newspaper articles, etc., and they've, like, laid out, like, we're going to do this first. And so Nancy tells her dad all this. And he's like, uh, uh, who's going with you? Okay. In the first three books, well, the first four, um, Nancy's best friend is Helen, who you will remember from a long, long time ago. Oh, actually, we didn't actually recap those books. Helen does pop up a few times, but anyway. Helen was Nancy's bestie before it was Bess and George who were hanging out with her at all times. Um, so Helen pops up. Helen has gotten married. So you're like, um, they do age so, so slowly. Um, so Helen got married to Jim Archer. No. Yes. 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 Jim Archer. It doesn't fucking matter. Like these are Ken dolls. You need to understand that. The only people who exist in these books are Nancy, her friends, Ned Carson, and everyone else is Ken dolls or Vanessa Barbie dolls, which was the name of my villain Barbie doll. Anyway, they're, it's, it's fine. They're like interchangeable Hallmark movie villains. So anyway, so 
like Helen and her new husband, relatively new husband. I think that like Nancy actually goes to like her engagement party or something. Well, anyway, it's fine. They've been married for 40 years at this point. Um, Ned's going because of course he is. Also Bert and Dave, because of course they are, because Bess and George need to get their game on or practice or possibly just have some interesting adventures in a completely platonic way in George's case. Um, Let's see. Other than Helen, there's like a bunch that Bab is one of them. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not giving you that. I don't. Nope. Absolutely not. Um, there's also Rita Rodriguez and her husband, who I can't remember his name, but it also begins with an R because we're heavy into alliteration in this book. And I was like, OK, cool. I'm seeing a Latino last name. I'm, I'm intrigued. Let's see where this goes. Um, there's like another couple too. It there's going to be like seven couples that are going on this fucking adventure. And I was like, again, it sounds like you're going to several places that may or may not have adequate lodging. Like you're having some sort of weird swingers orgy every night, which if y'all all consenting adults, it's fine. But Nancy and Ned are only for each other. Like they're going to they're going to hang out with y'all until the clothes start coming off. And then they're going to go to a separate location for their own clothing celebration. So anyway, um, so Nancy tells her dad all this and then she goes in the house and she's like, what am I going to pack? And then the phone rings and somebody's like, Nancy Drew, do not go on this ghost hunt. And she's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Damn it, Elron. <laughs> anyway, she's like, who would have done this? Why would... And then she's like, clearly somebody found out that we were going on this ghost hunt. Because again, nobody would necessarily have any reason to not tell somebody. Because all of Nancy's friends, other than Bess and George occasionally, are like, why would I not gossip about everything I know? Let me just tell everyone and drop some monogrammed hankies. Just litter the ground with them. Just the place is full of them. Anyway. Um, let me think. The next thing that happens is Helen comes over. Um, she's like, let's, let's like game plan this. Let's get an atlas out and just like a compass and some shit. Um, she's like, not everybody needs to come because, it, you know, it, it's fine. We're going to, we don't need like 17,000 people at your house. I'm just saying. And Nancy's like, no, we don't. Like, it's fine. So they talk through like where they're going to go. Um, the first place is going to be a lake with a haunted canoe. Um, apparently the canoe just like kind of steers itself out on the lake. So that's fun. Um, the second place, they're going to go see a medium who, during her seances, people hear, like, thunder, even if there is no storm, and so that seems to be a cool thing. They're going to go to a, like, red barn bed and breakfasty place that there's apparently, like, a phantom horse and its rider that chases it, like, out, out there. Um, Shit. There's another place. Oh, okay. The The fourth place is a, it used to be, a, it's called Crag Mountain. And it used to, it sounds like a horrible theme park. Like the worst, the, whatever the opposite of a theme park is. It is. Um, it used to be a prison and a lot of prisoners died there. And so their ghosts apparently haunt the place. It's got like a whole dungeon thing going on, which again fits in with the weird swingers vibe. And the last place is the home of a guy who has a bunch of fucking human skulls. And he's apparently, there's been some sort of, you guessed it, invisible intruder. And so, like, why is someone, and I'm like, because he got a bunch of skulls, bitch. Like, mm. anyway, there are those, that's the five ghost locations. So Nancy's like, this is boss. She doesn't say that because it's 1969. Um, she's like, this is really cool. <laughs> anyway. Oh my God. Um, Nancy, of course, is talking to Bess and George. George is like, hell yeah, let's go kick some ghost ass. And Bess is like, I don't know about any of this. And so, uh, like, I think that like Bert, or, okay. So Bess is with Bert at this point. And I was like, did the ghost try to forget who she's dating? Because the way that I always remember it is they can't date the person with their same initial. Only Nancy and Ned are allowed to do that. So Dave has to be dating Bess, but it doesn't, it, again, they're Ken dolls. It doesn't fucking matter. They can, it's fine. Um, so Dave and Bess are dating. So like she's with Bert though. And Bert is like teasing her and he's like, oh, come on. If you don't go, then I can't go. And, it, and Bess is like, can't a girl just pretend that she is scared by ghosts? And I was like, I do love that Bess is like some, some part of this is a performance and you need to fucking understand that you little piece of shit. So anyway, and again, no one is good enough for George because George is precious and we love her. 
or him, depending on what's going on that day. So, um, yeah, they've decided they're going to go to this. The first place they're going to go is the, like, lakeside camp. And, like, at this point, after everybody else has arrived, basically, is when Ned comes up. And Nancy looks at Ned. She's like, damn, look at him. Oh, my God. Every atom in my being is quivering with anticipation. And I was like, mm, yes. Like, in the text, it's like, she can't imagine there being a more perfect guy. She's like, just look at him. Look at him. And I love that she's like just like he knows what he needs to be doing for her because he needs to be strong and intelligent and also know when to stand back and let her do her shit and he does he does these things because he is perfect he's not but it's fine anyway so um the first place they're going is the lake place and they're all like splitting into okay the unmarried couples are splitting into like the here's the girls room so nancy bus and george of course are staying together everybody else is apparently married it's just like ned bert and dave are gonna have to hang out together because and i was like can y'all just i know i know they can't i know they can't but a part of me even when i was little reading this was like why can't they just i'm I'm not saying they have to do anything just sleeping bags i don't know i don't know anyway so they go to the lake and they get in the water and they're all having a good time and all of a sudden they see an, an unpiloted canoe and Nancy and Ned are like, fuck, chase it! And so they swim after it, but the thing like, they go under the canoe and they can't find anybody under the canoe propelling it. Like they thought that somebody was just hiding in the water and like, I guess snorkeling? I don't, they don't explain. But there's nobody under it and then the canoe like takes off and they're like okay well there has to be somebody like in it and they're like ducking down and or using the oars or whatever the fuck so but they they're not sure what the fuck's going on they can't find any evidence of it they have dinner that night um and then when they're trying to sleep it's like two o'clock in the morning nancy hears something and it's like very bright moonlight and it's like it's this voice near the light that's like this lake is full of ghosts or some shit. Nancy's like, fucker. And so she goes outside to see who's like L Ronning next to her cabin. When she sees a a like phosphorescent shape like with tall around it, it looks like a woman in a dress, looks like the like stereotypical ghost woman in a dress. And it starts like coming toward her. And Nancy's like, first off, I know this is not real, but second, I don't know what the fuck's going on. And I am a little bit nervous. And also, it's like bright moonlight out here. And I'm a, like, anyone can see me. So she kind of like ducks back into the shadows and she sees the ghost like coming up to her. At that point, Bess wakes up and she's like, what the, f- why is Nancy not here? And so she goes outside to look for Nancy and she sees the ghost and like screams. And then George wakes up and then everybody's awake. And so they all come outside and Nancy's like, the ghost has vanished they don't know where it went and so nancy goes to see where it like what happened to it and they find on the ground like the whatever the clothing was like the toll that was wrapped around the thing and nancy was like hmm so what they find inside the toll looks like a deflated balloon so they take it back to the actual lodge which at this point the person who owns the place has woken up and is like okay what the fuck's going on out here and nancy's like so we need to blow up this balloon and so they blow up the balloon and the balloon looks like a woman and nancy's like yeah okay this makes sense somebody found a like a balloon that looks like a woman they put a clothes on it and like some sort of thing to make it phosphorescence. Yeah, this, okay, this is where the ghost came from. Now, one of the fuckers, it's either Bert or Davis, not Ned. Um, I think it's, I feel like it's George's boyfriend. I think it is. And I'm, boyfriend has air quotes around it. Um, that he like, he looks at the lady balloon and he's like, oh, an inflatable lady. Hmm. I really like this. This time to get this party started. And I was like, is he talking about using that thing as a fucking sex toy? Which, maybe, I don't know. Maybe he was looking at George going like, we finally have a third for our threesome. I don't, it was, it was just super weird. I wanted, I was like, really? So they look on it and they find like a little, like, you know, like a maker's tag. It's like, it has somebody's initials on it. And the clerk is like, oh yeah, that, that shop's in town. You can go check it out. So they go to town the next day and they go to, it's basically like a novelty store. And Nancy's like, hey, so we found this balloon and it had your store's name on it. And we were wondering, like, do you sell, like, weirdly shaped balloons? I mean, no judgment. 
and the clerk is like oh hell yeah we've got like all these different balloons and so this couple came in and they bought a bunch of them because we've got like all these different figures and i was like okay so these are sounding more like pool float type things where you have like i don't know that that's what it's seeming like that it can be inflated and deflated without you having to puncture it but anyway um, so he had a bunch of them and he was like, yeah, they were having a party. They have like eight children. And so they were going to have this big party and they wanted all these fun balloons and except for they seemed kind of shitty. And Nancy was like, these sound exactly like who I'm looking for. Elrond's. Okay. Thank you so much for that information. Do you know anything about them? And so he remembers their name, which was Prizer, P-R-I-Z-E-R. And so Nancy's like, perfect. I love all these clues. The place is just swimming with clues. Let's go check this shit out. So, they go to the local realtor, like, the person who handles all the, like, vacation rentals. And they're like, hey, has somebody come in here with the name of Prizer who had, like, 7,000 children? Because, again, child trafficking. And the realtor's like, oh, hell yeah, I rented out this, um, it's this little, um, nice little cabin by the lake. It's across from the, um, actually the place where Nancy and Nutter's staying. And they're like, oh my god, yes, yes, Tell, can you take us out there? And so, like, the realtor takes them out there so that they can see the place. And it's like, it's a decently sized cabin, but Nancy's like, it doesn't look like there's eight kids here. I'm just saying. Like, I, th- I think that was just, like, their excuse for why they wanted several thousand balloons. So, they knock on the door, and the person who answers the door is an older guy. And the description that they have of the two people, the couple, is that they have, like, dark, bushy hair. And this guy is, like, older and doesn't look like either of those people. And they're like, uh, hey, we were looking for a Mr. and Mrs. Prizer. And he's like, oh, I'm their dad. Or his dad. And they're like, oh, okay, do you know when they'll be, like, uh, eight children? Damn. And he's like, you don't have any children. (laughs) And so Nancy's like... Good to know, because I was going to maybe bring over some party decorations. He was like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Nancy was like, okay, so this is, that's an unusual shell on your mantle. I think the best is actually the one who says that. It looks like a cradle. And the guy's like, oh yeah, I'm really into shells, and this is a cradle shell, and, and it's really cool, and blah, blah, And so Nancy's like, okay, that's, that's neat. Um... He's like, yeah, I've got an extensive collection of shells. It's it's packed up right now. And he makes absolutely no move to go unpack them or to be like, come back later and you can see my shell collection. And so they leave the house and Nancy's like, yeah, everything about this feels wrong. Where He's Gene Parmigianing. Um, and also one of the girls in the group, Bab, who I only remember because of her ridiculous name, um, is like, oh my God, he collects shells. Me too. Let me, I need to go see these shells. So they go up to the place and it, it's been cleared out like after they come it's maybe like the next morning that they go back everything's been cleared out and so they alert the realtor who's like that son of a bitch is check bounced and i was like oh 1969 um so yeah they go in to see if they can find anything so uh, actually she's called the cops the realtors call the cops because i okay it's a bounced check like okay but she calls the cops to do something anyway um, in the meantime, Nancy and Ned, um, spot the fucking thing again. Okay, let me back up slightly. Just, just slightly. So, Rita, who, again, is married to Ron. I'm gonna say his name is Ron, which, no, that's, that's too on brand for L. Ron. Um, he's, she's not married to L. Ron. Um, she has ESP. The thing that I love, and I think you know this about me, if you don't, you've probably sensed it by now, is that when I was, like, around the time I was reading the S.C. Drew books, I was also deeply into ESP, like, ridiculously into ESP, and so when they're like, oh yeah, she has ESP, like, casually, just like, yeah, you know, she just have hunches about things, I was like, oh my god, the the weirdest thing in these books is that Nancy 100% does not believe in, like, supernatural activity. She doesn't believe in ghosts. She doesn't believe in, like, anything weird, like mesmerism, any of that. Like, she believes that some people can, like, put you into circumstances where you may be more suggestible, but she really is violently against anything like that. And so when somebody casually is like, oh, she has ESP, Nancy does the usual thing, which is to say, like, uh-huh, and just she doesn't like confront anybody over it. It's just like, okay, it's, it's cool with me. If you believe that I'm not going to hurt your feelings over it. But anyway, Rita's talking to Nancy and she's like, I need to, I feel like I have a premonition. I need to talk to you. And Nancy's like, Oh, okay. And so she holds Nancy's hands and stares into her eyes and she's like, okay, so the man that you're with, you are, I feel like you're going to be involved in an accident. You're going to have to make a a difficult choice. And Nancy's like, 
oh, okay, weird. Like, she even says, like, it's going to be in a boat. And so Nancy's like, we're, after she leaves, after, like, she's finished the conversation, she's like, well, we're pursuing a boat. Like, all of this feels very cold reading. Like, I mean, it's fine. Because she doesn't think that the woman is out to, like, get her or anything. She doesn't think that she's a quack. She just thinks that she's just, like, eccentric. Like, she believes what she's saying. Nancy doesn't think that it's anything weird like that. So, um, Nancy and Ned are out in a canoe, and they spot the phantom canoe, and so they row as fast as they can. Ned actually tells Nancy, he's like, you can sit back if you want to, and I'll row. And Nancy's like, fuck that. I got this. And so they're rowing together, which I'm like, yes, it's a metaphor. They catch up with the canoe, but then their own canoe starts acting strangely like it won't go forward, almost as though it's stuck on something, even though they're in the middle of the lake, and then it capsizes, like, suddenly, and so they're both thrown in the water. Nancy gets back to the surface, but she can't find Ned, so she ducks back under the surface and sees an octopus that has, like, grabbed Ned and is trying to take him off somewhere, and Nancy's like, everything is weird about this, and so she catches up. She, like, screams. <laughs> she, like, screams at the octopus. <laughs> She's like, no, you can't have him. And so she like punches the octopus and it lets go of Ned. And so she takes him back to shore and Ned's like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Like she, she's like, fuck, I'm gonna have to resuscitate him. Um, but he's like, yeah, I just went after the boat capsized. I was kind of stunned for a minute. And then that thing grabbed me and Nancy was like, yeah, it looked like an octopus. And it was real fucking weird. And Ned's like, that tracks. Yeah, that was, that was pretty fucking weird. Um, but they can't find their boat. They can't find the phantom boat. They also can't find the fucking weird octopus. So there's all that. Um, so they go back to shore and they tell their friends what happened. Everybody's like, yeah, an octopus grabbed you. They're, the like person who owns the place is like, there, there's no octopus in that lake. And Nancy's like, there was a thing that looked like one. Like, we're just, can we at least agree on that? And so everybody's like, this is, this is ridiculous. Son of a bitch. So... Um, they go out there, and when they return, they have found the octopus, and again, it looks a lot like maybe some sort of inflatable, like a toy or something, but it's got like a little mechanism to propel it, and Nancy's like, okay, this doesn't make any sense, like, you can, you can activate little mechanism to make the octopus appear to move, like, it, it does move a little bit, so it would look, you know, if you can't see too well, it would look fairly realistic, and so she's like, okay, our boat stopped working, and I've got a hunch. And so they go, and they check all the fucking canoes have some sort of radio control device on them. All of them. And Nancy's like, son of a bitch. This is what did it. This is what stopped our canoe. And I was like, I have questions about how a small device would have stopped your canoe. I mean, it would have to be attached to a motor, but that's a, uh, it's fine. It's fine. They call the cops and they're like, Hey, some dick shit has been putting little remote control devices on all these canoes. And they're like, that's fucking weird as shit. We ain't here for that shit. That's, that ain't cool. And I was like, at least they're taking this kind of seriously. Because again, you, like if a little toddler was on that boat with no fucking life preserver and the thing capsized, you got a dead toddler. So anyway, so they take the devices off all the canoes. Um, but they still don't know where the fucking canoe, it's like vanished. They don't know where it went. So when they cops go back to the house and they're talking about the shell collection, which I don't, I don't think they found any of it, but they described the shell and the, one of the cops who comes out is like, oh yeah, my wife has a bunch of those types of shells and we use it to like, when we're having dinner parties to serve soup. And I was like, sure. Oh, sure. As long as it's thoroughly clean and polished, I guess it's fine. Um, he, he's like, and also for creamed things. And I was like, sure. Okay. But anyway, so they go up in the attic of the place and they find the canoe. And actually Ned's the one who goes up there and they hear a lot of creaking. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to lower the canoe. And then like the floor breaks. And so Ned comes down and the realtor is like, Son of a fucking bitch. They put a fucking canoe in the attic, and now I've got to fix this shit. Like, she's she's having the worst day. Elrond has fucked her up. It's just, it's just real bad for her. She ain't enjoying any of this. But anyway, it's okay, because they're, they're going to get through this. So they found the canoe, um, and that means that there's going to be no more canoe out on the water. The other thing that happened, of course, is that somebody was calling, Mr. Prizer was calling the person who owns the place, and is like, you need to sell. And so... 
Like, after the octopus incident, the person who owns the place is like, yeah, I'm going to have to sell. And Nancy's like, has somebody called you and offered to buy the place? And he's like, yeah. And she said, have they offered you a far less than it's worth? And he was like, yeah. And she was like, don't sell. <laughs> don't do it. This is all a trick. Um, so after the canoe has been found and after the people have apparently moved out of the area, Nancy, and he's called, the person calls back and is like threatening the guy. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to wait. Uh, I'm going to think about this. And so the guy is like very insistent that he decide right away. And of course he doesn't. Nancy's like, okay, we found the canoe. We found the octopus and the, they've moved out of the area as far as we can tell. So hopefully no more hauntings because again, like they're the only ones staying at the place. Um, they're actually like having dinner at, in the like main lodge area and like standing in the fireplace talking about what they're going to be doing. And then some, like all of a sudden this massive wind blows through the front door and like sends sparks out of the fireplace everywhere. And it's just really disruptive. And when they dash outside, like there is no wind, it doesn't make any sense. And they see somebody running. And when they try to catch up with them, um, the person bolts off and Nancy's like, they were carrying something big, so we can probably find it. And they find a bellows. Like, and I was like, I was picturing like a leaf blower. And then I was like, yeah, 1969 bellows. That makes more sense. Um, <laughs> when were leaf blowers invented? Anyway, so the bellows is what made that thing. And again, it's just like make everybody creeped out, make nobody want to stay there, and then buy the place for real cheap. Like, of course. Of course. Because it's, it's a fucking Scooby-Doo mystery. Slash Elrond. It's an Elrond Scooby-Doo mystery. So yeah, so they've, they hope that they found everything and they're pretty sure that they know who's responsible. So they move on to the next place. The next place is the medium's seance hut, which she's apparently in like a fucking subdivision. Like, I'm sorry, this is 1969. So yeah, ish kind of like she's in a place with like apartment buildings and things like it looks like a pretty like, you know, residential domestic area. And then like, she's got her little seance hut this is like prophecies and they're like oh okay so apparently she has like ladies only events kind of like she's gonna be doing some like mlming some mary Kaying, maybe some avon and then like i think that she has like co-ed seances later so the three girls decide that they're gonna go first to the like pre-gaming of the seance so like she apparently does like individual readings if she feels the need to and then they do the big group seance so which it sounds like there's a bunch of chairs in there. I don't, I have no real, is it like a fucking TARDIS or a Mary Poppins bag? I don't know where it's like much bigger on the inside. So they go there and, um, all three of them are like, okay, we're here to have our fortunes told. And so let me think, I think that the first, like she wants to take Nancy first and she says, I'm going to talk to her alone. And so Buzz and George are like, oh, okay. So they go to a private room together and Nancy's just looking around at everything. And she's like, yeah, I'm, yep looks standard medium-ish and the one like gives her some stuff about like yeah like you're really into mysteries and Nancy's like yeah anybody at first she's like how would she know this about me and then she's like oh shit like I'm I'm in the newspapers like every other day son of a bitch which yeah it's fine but then the woman like grabs her and is like only you can help me and Nancy's like what the fuck is going on? And the woman's like, I have a box of papers. You need to take them. And Nancy's like, no. And the woman's like, you, seriously, I need you to take my fucking papers. And Nancy's like, I absolutely cannot do that. Like, I need to talk to my dad. And she's like, no, no, you need to take them tonight. And Nancy's like, I don't feel comfortable doing that. And so the woman like, at that point, Bess and George come in because they're like, Nancy's been gone too long. And they see the woman like, like with her, like, it almost looks like she's got her claws into Nancy. And they're like, Nancy, are you okay? And Nancy's like, I'm fine. And they're like, okay, well, the big sounds is about to start. So I guess we should go do that. So as you know, Bess is like, of all of them, the most susceptible to like MLMing and weird scams and shit like that. So when they go into the seance, like Bess is legit, like not okay with it. She does not like it. Um, the, the, um, medium is like, so is there anybody, um, the, the spirits are telling me that, um, if there's somebody here by the name of Martha, like her, she's being told to be more careful with her money. And Martha is like, it's me and my mom always told me to be more careful with my money. And Bess is like, I'm not, I don't like this. I don't like this. And then they hear thunder and Bess is like, I don't like this. And George is like, just calm down. Like it's okay. And Bess is like, I don't know. 
And so then, like, the medium looks at her, and she's like, I see a marriage license in your future. And, like, she just moves on to the next thing. And Bess is, Bess, like, breaks down sobbing. And Nancy and George are like, are you okay? And Bess is like, well, we can't get, me and Dave can't get married until he graduates. And, like, she's upset. She's fucking upset. And so the girls look at each other, and they're like, okay, like, this is, you know, we're not really learning anything. Let's, let's just go ahead and take her out. So they take Bess outside, and Bess is, like, clearly, like, she does plan on marrying Dave. It's just, like, not until after he's graduated. And I was like, he's never graduating. Like, you need to you need to make your peace with that. It's like he's got another family. But anyway, um, they got to the car, and the car is locked. And Nancy's like, did either of you lock the car? And they're like, no. And Nancy's like, maybe some teenager locked it as a prank. And I was like, that's in no way the way that would have gone down. But okay. So, Bess gets in the back seat and, like, she puts her sweater on or takes it off or some shit or whatever. And when they get to, they get back to their place, they find a box in the back of the car. Like, just sitting there on the floorboard in the back of the car. And Nancy's like, what the fuck is this? And her friends are like, could it be a bomb? And she's like, um, no. Like, I think it would have been ticking or gone off by now. So they find a rake and actually like pry back the top of the box and it's papers. It's the papers that the medium was like, I need you to take these papers. And Nancy was like, son of a bitch. Like I, I told her that I could not take these fucking papers. And her friends are like, well, I guess she just wasn't going to take that for an answer. So apparently she put the papers in Nancy's car and then locked it because she wanted them to be safe. And Nancy's like, I can't, I can't fucking do this. So she calls her dad, but he's not, he's out when she calls. So she calls again the next morning. And she's like, dad um this medium gave me a box of papers and he was like fuck no fuck no you give them back immediately and so nancy call like i think that she calls the the um medium and she's like hey but the medium doesn't answer and so nancy's like son of a fucking bitch i'm gonna have to drive my ass out there and give her these papers back so they go to her hut um her tardis her mary poppins thing and it's deserted. Like, no one is there. It's, and whenever she sees a neighbor, they're like, yeah, I didn't really like having her nearby because, like, there were people all hours and they looked kind of weird. And, um, apparently, uh, they seemed to move out last night. Like, after the seance, they seemed to move out. And Nancy was like, do you remember what any of them looked like? And the person's like, not really. I couldn't really see that well. I just know that there were, like, multiple people helping. But I can tell you that she did seem to be kind of afraid. And they're like, yeah, this all sounds bad. Like, Nancy doesn't have a high opinion of the medium, but she also is like, but it's also shitty to have somebody be kidnapped. Like, both of those things can be true. You can be both shitty and kidnapped. So there's that. So she's like, well, I don't know what the fuck to do now. And this also means that, like, they can't really solve the mystery of the... Which, again, Nancy was like, it's parlor tricks. It's the kind of thing that they would play at a seance anyway. So it's not, like, that big a mystery. But it's fine. Um, yeah. So they decide that they're going to go on to the next place. But before they can do that, um, Nancy gets a call at her hotel. Okay, so after when she tells her dad, she calls him back after she's found out that the place is, like, deserted and she can't return the papers. And her dad's like, okay, I'm going to call somebody that I know locally to where you are, and he's a lawyer, and he will take the papers into his possession, like, put them into his safe, so they'll be safe and they'll be out of your... Because you don't, you don't need to take responsibility for this shit. This is not on you. Don't look at the papers. Don't do anything. And I was like, again, you know that it's Nancy Drew. You know she's nosy as shit. It seems like you would give her that as, like, a red herring. But anyway, Nancy's like, okay, I will not look at the papers. And her dad's like, good, I will send him and it'll be fine. So, um, Nancy and Helen are talking in Nancy's room. Like, she tells everybody that, like, yeah, she's going to be there. She has, she doesn't want to leave the papers alone. She's going to wait for the lawyer to show up. So, Helen comes by and they're talking to each other. When all of a sudden, like, they see a hand snaking in from the doorway to grab the papers. And Nancy's like, Nancy grabs their hand. And they run. And so, Nancy chases them. And Helen's left in the room. Um, yeah, she can't catch up with the person. So she, she doesn't know what's going on. When she gets back, um, she finds that the door's been shut and Helen is like, I'm not letting you in. And there's a guy standing out there that Nancy's never seen before. And Nancy's like, Hey, what's your name? And he gives her the name of the lawyer that she's been waiting for. And she's like, oh, okay. So yeah, because Helen is like, I'm not doing, I'm not letting anybody in but Nancy Drew. So Nancy's like, okay, well, um, I think this is legit. So he's like, oh, if somebody's been coming by for the papers, I'm going to show you some ID. And so Nancy's like, yes. 
So he shows ID and he's like, yeah, let me just take these into my possession. Then they get a call that says, um, you need to take the papers to a stone bridge, like two miles from here at exactly like two o'clock in the afternoon and put it under the bridge and leave. And so Nancy tells the guy that 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 has happened. He's like, okay, so what you need to do is take, is not do that. (laughs) Just absolutely don't do that. Like, I'm going to take these papers with me. You are not going to take those papers and put them under a bridge. Like, fuck no. And Nancy's like, okay, so I'm going to take a decoy box. I'm going to take a box that's about the same size and weight. And he's like, yeah, definitely, definitely do that. So that's what they decide to do. Nancy's supposed to go, I think, by herself, but she takes Ned with her, um, of course, because making out reasons. So they find the bridge pretty easily, and Nancy um, is looking for a place under the bridge to hide the papers, like a good ledge or whatever, and she reaches up there, and like some kittens scratch her because they're nervous, and so she's like, oh, shit, and Ned's like, oh, I'm sorry that you got hurt because she like rinses her hand off in the water. Um, So... I can't remember exactly. I think that, like, somebody comes up and Ned chases them. Anyway, like, there's something that happens that Ned's like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go deal with this or something like that. Oh, oh, shit, shit. No, okay, I remember now. Um, This, like, 10-year-old comes up and he's like, hey, are you guys friends with Bert and Dave? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, okay, they're right up the road. They need to talk to you. And Ned's like, I'll go. You stay here. And Nancy's like, okay. So she puts, she finds a place to put the box. And then as soon as she does, somebody grabs her from behind and like drags her toward the water and puts her in it. And she struggles and gets away from them. And, um, um, the lawyer that her father had called to give the, the papers to, he had had two plainclothes officers to wait nearby so that they could grab whoever came for the box. And so they see Nancy being attacked and they come get, like, get her away from that person. And he's like, I, I was under orders. Like, I'm not going to tell you anything, but I was under orders and, because Scientology. And Nancy's like, who, like, what's going on? And, and she, he says, the spirits told me that I had to take you and put you in the water. Like, to kill her. Like, that's, he never says that, but it's very clear that it was like, I was told that I had to kill you. And Nancy's like, son of a fucking bitch, where's Ned? Because he's gone. Like, the little boy who came up, like, that guy's gone. And Nancy's like, yeah, that was fucking rude to get us separated. And it was, like, to get Ned away from Nancy so that he couldn't interfere with her being murdered. So they try to find Ned, and they can find no trace of him. Nancy finds his footprints because she's got the cops with her after they have secured the, like, and the book makes it sound like he's kind of an idiot. Which, I mean, if you're going to believe that spirits told you to kill a 19-year-old, sure. Um, But anyway, so the cops are with her, and they find his trail, and then they see a shack that's nearby. Nancy's like, ooh, shacks! I have good good experience with shacks. So they go up to the shack, and she sees, like, what looks like a lifeless body inside. And she's like, ah! No! And she gets really freaked out. And the cops are like, let's just search her. And Nancy's, like, frantic to get into there. And after they look around the place, they're like, okay, we don't see any signs that it's, like, booby-trapped or anything. Nancy's like, then get the fuck in there! So they open the door, and it's a dummy. Like, it's not Ned. Nancy was terrified that, like, they had killed Ned and thrown his body in there. And and she was like, oh, God. Like, the relief. Like, heroin drifted over her. And then she was like, he's still missing, though. So she, of course, is, like devastated she goes back to the the place where they had been staying and she's like oh my god this is horrible i don't know what to do i don't know where the first place to search is like we've got to find these assholes they have taken ned those sons of bitches and so the cops are like have you gotten any ransom calls anything like that come in they're like no so nancy's like in her room like waiting by the phone just hoping for some kind of news when the phone rings and it's ned and she's like Ned, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, I'll tell you all about it, but I'm at the next place that we were supposed to be, like the Red Barn. And Nancy's like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's a long story. And Nancy's like, okay. So he says, just come in the morning because I'm okay. I'll just be staying here tonight. Just come in the morning. And so she tells her friends and they're like, that sounds fishy as all hell. Like, what the, is that a trap? And so Ned calls back. I I think that he had said he was going to call back. And Nancy's like, so tell me your real name. And so he laughs and he says, my name is Edward Emerson. And so Nancy's like, okay, the code says that he is safe. Apparently Nancy and Ned have several codes worked out between them because they're cute like that. And one of them is if she asks him what his real name is, he's supposed to say that. If it, if he's in duress, he says, I keep my middle name a secret. And so that she will know that he's, he's being held against his will. 
So she's like, okay, everything's, everything's legit. It's fine. So the next morning they go to, oh my God. And I can't remember exactly when they find this out. So I'll go ahead and throw it in here. Um, they find out that the seance hut has burned down and somebody saw a ghost rising out of the ashes and they were like, so that's it for the medium. And Nancy's like, yeah, no, that's, that doesn't make any sense. What the fuck? What the son of a bitch. The other weird thing that happened is after, um, Helen and Nancy like dealt with the box and the, like they had given it to the lawyer, they had made arrangements. They were supposed to go. Helen opened the door and saw like this. It looked like a person made out of vapor, like this weird sort of like vision like raising their hand toward her and she was and she slammed the door shut <laughs> she was like fuck no i'm not dealing with this shit and nancy was like yeah that sounds like somebody just like it's not an optical illusion but like somebody set it up to appear to be a ghost and helen's like yeah that's fine and nancy's like but it could be poison gas so we better just stay away from it and everyone's like that's reasonable that's fucking reasonable so so yeah so now they need to go to the Red Barn and catch up with Ned, who was kidnapped briefly. So they get out to the Red Barn. Um, okay, so again, it's kind of like a B&B type place where it's just like this big old house that's painted red. And this is the place with the Phantom Horse and the Phantom Rider. So um, they get out there and Ned's, Nancy's like, I'm so glad you're okay. And Ned's like, yeah, that was real fucked up. So when he went to go see Bert and Dave, who of course were not there, um, two guys grabbed him and threw him into the trunk of a car. And so Ned just like, you know, pretended that he was helpless until they like, I think they slowed down enough or they were like trying to figure out what to do with him. And so he like just jumped out of the car and ran. And then he hitchhiked to the next place. <laughs> And Nancy, of course, was frantic with worry during this point. But, of course, they have no cell phone. So, how the fuck was he supposed to get in touch with her? So, anyway, he ended up at the Red Barn. So, he's okay. Um, they still don't know who was trying to kidnap him. Nancy was like, was it the people we're after? And it's like, I don't think so. But it could be people that were with them. So, it kind of makes some sense. Anyway. So, the Red Barn is owned by this elderly lady who has lost her husband. So, she's she's single and not looking to mingle. Um, but the place is kind of run down. And so when she comes in, like, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. Like, there's been a lot going on. And she's been pressured to sell. Of course. Um, they offer to make dinner. And she's like, oh, no, you're, you're a guest. And they're like, we're going to fucking make dinner, okay? We're just going to fucking make dinner. Just calm down. So, like, again, it's seven couples. It's just a ridiculous number of people that they've got. And I was like, again, you're staying in places that I wouldn't necessarily expect to be able to accommodate that many couples. But okay. So anyway, um, they decide that they're going to stay in the barn that night and keep watch. And so they do see the phantom horse and the phantom rider, which of course Nancy's like, okay, some or all of this is a horse painted white or a horse balloon or like, yeah, she's got all these explanations for what's going on. She asks if, oh, I think when they get there, actually the old lady at some point, like really close to when they get there, she's in the attic looking for something. I think that Ned's like, yeah, she's in the attic right now. Um, and when they go up there, like they hear a crash and the woman's like, this trunk that has like been sitting there for like years just suddenly fell down and scared the shit out of me. And Nancy looks around to see if like, was there a remote control device stuck to it or something like that? Some sort of explanation. And she sees that the trunk was actually against some sort of trap door. And she asks the woman if she's has was aware of the trap door. She's like, hell no. Um, she does, Nancy checks the role and she, the roster, the, the sign in book, and she sees that the prizers stayed there like a year ago and they talked to the old lady and, and the, the woman was like, oh yeah, I would love to have a place like this. And Nancy's like, bingo, Elron. So apparently like the room that they had stayed in was on the other side of the trap door. So yeah, yeah. So anyway, they see the phantom horse and the phantom rider. Um, Nancy's like, yeah, no, this is just garbage. So they try to follow the Phantom Horse and Rider. They f and George falls into a pit that has been dug. And they're like, why the fuck is this pit here? And Nancy's like, maybe to dissuade people from following, which is what it seems to have done in this case. Um, they find a little shell. Now, remember the first, like, the old guy that was in the rented check bouncing cabin? Um, there was a shell there. They find a little shell. They... F like, they find shells like clues, which, again, as always, we've got a monogram, that shit, so it says MT for Abedum Tarantella, which is the name of this, the medium. And so Nancy's like, okay, so apparently her shell collection was stolen, or I don't, we don't really know what's going on here. We don't really know. 
So they find a shell in the pit. And Nancy's like, okay, this kind of links everything together. The people that we're after are apparently deeply interested in shells. And they, they find some newspaper articles, actually. The cops, when they mention it to the cops, are like, oh, yeah, some people have been selling, selling I'm sorry, stealing shell collections. That's weirdly hard to say. Um, so just random ones. And they talk about, like, there were all, they talk about, like, Actually, there's one that apparently was part of an octopus. They talk about, like, conch shells and all these different kinds of shells, these rare shells, these, like, pyramid-shaped shells. It is a fountain of information for people who are into shells. So, you know, if, if that's the thing that you're into, please note that they're going to talk about it a lot. Um, so, anyway, Nancy is... Nancy's like, okay, whoever left this shell in the pit is probably going to recognize that they left it here and come back for it. And I was like, I, there's a lot of assumptions there. She's like, so I'm going to stake it out. So this like 16 year old like bops up and starts looking around and Nancy's like, hey, what you doing? And he's like, ah, I'm looking for rabbits. And Nancy's like, bullshit, you were looking for shells. And he's like, how did you know? And Nancy's like, I have my ways. Who sent you? And he's like, this guy who's in a car over there, he said that he hurt his leg and he can't walk and he wanted me to come find his shell. And Nancy's like, okay, take me to him. We're going to go there. So they go to the car and she tells him, like, under no circumstance, get in that car. Like, this is a guy we're chasing. He gets in the fucking car and gets in the driver's seat and, and goes away. And so they see the like, guy, like, get up out of the back seat. So apparently he had hidden in the back seat and, like, I guess told the little guy to get in and been like, yes, or I'll, I'll shoot all of your family or some shit. And so Nancy's like, okay, well, fuck. So she takes down, like, the make, bottle, license plate, all that shit so that she can tell him. The cops, of course. Because dude has been kidnapped. This little 16-year-old idiot has been kidnapped. So they contact the cops, and the cops come out, and they're like, thank you for all this information. Um, also, like, his mother's frantic looking for him. And when they mention it, I think that somebody tells them, they're like, oh, yeah, I went to school with him, and he was, I mean, he's fine. It's just that he was not into school as a concept, and he dropped out. And he's just, like, not really into working either. He's just kind of chilling and doing odd jobs for villains, as one does. He's going to just stumble gently into Scientology. So, yeah, he, but his mom doesn't know where he is and everything's weird. So there's that. Um, With the horse thing, Nancy's like, I think that it's probably another balloon that they just kind of made look like a horse. It, vaguely horse-shaped. Just feeling like that's what's happening. Um, they like go out looking for clues and then go to church with the old lady and the sermons about like not stealing things. And I was like, again, Nancy's like a good message in that sermon. And she looks around to make sure that the like villains that she's after are not in church. And I was like, Nancy, Nancy, the morality of these books means that if you did see the villains and they were in church, that you would have immediately suspected them of like fleecing old ladies, like stealing their purses when they ain't looking or like going to the potluck and just putting entire dishes into their handbags. So anyway, so of course she doesn't see the villains at church because that's not how these books work. Anyway, um, so many things I could say at this point. So they come back and like the house has been ransacked. And so the old lady like immediately is like, son of a bitch. Like she went out to have to see one of her friends. And when she came back, like the house has been ransacked. Nancy was like, did they take anything? And she's like, not really. Like I, a couple things are missing, but I sold all the valuable stuff after my husband died. And she goes and Nancy's like, did you look through your papers? And the woman's like, the fucking deed to the house is gone. And Nancy's like, okay, that's what they were here for. They waited until the house was deserted and they came and they stole the deed to your property. And the woman's like, son of a bitch. And Nancy's like, I'm going to get you a lawyer and they're going to help you work through this. They reported to the cops. So the cops know that the deed's been stolen, et cetera. So, and I was like, again, but anyway, so let me think. I don't know. I don't know. The next place they're going, and at this point, Nancy's like, okay, they've got what they wanted, so they're going to leave you alone now. And I was like, interesting, because she feels like there's not much she can do at this point. The next place they're going is the scary mountain prison. <laughs> Which, again, this is 1969, and I don't think they ever actually give a year for when the prison would have been active. And I was like, so Civil War. Like, uh, most of these books, when they're talking about anything like that, it's going to be Civil War. So... Um, they go to the place and apparently like it's a, it's a very large inn that they're staying in and it's got like balconies and things and all the couples are able to stay there. Uh, although again, Nancy and Ned aren't allowed their own room because the ghostwriter had to crush my dreams. 
Um, but apparently, like, the first night they're there, there's this, like, massive fireworks display that's really cool. But one of the rockets, quote-unquote rockets, hits Nancy in the arm and burns her. And she's upset. And they there's a daughter who's also staying there who treats her arm. And he's like, it's going to heal up. It's fine. Like, you're not going to have a scar. I know it really hurts. And Nancy's like, yeah, that's bad. Um, and... Like, after that, the everyone's like, well, Nancy, you're going to want to go back to your own rest. And she's like, fuck no. Like, I'm here to solve a mystery. And it would really piss me off if it got solved without me. <laughs> and I was like, that's the crux of these books, really. That's, that's like the central message of these books. Like, go solve your own mysteries. Don't let anybody else. Don't delegate that shit to other people. You find Elrond again. Anyway. Um, they go to tour the the prison? The dungeon? He refers to it as a dungeon. Um... Also, the, of course, it's been prisoners who have been seen, like, coming out of the prison wandering around the, like, local area and, like, moaning and et cetera. Ned does say that, I think it was, like, the first night that he was staying at the Red Barn, I think. It's one of the places, and I think it was there. That he heard screaming and sounds like somebody was being, like, beaten with a chain. And Nancy's like, that's fucked up! And Ned's like, yeah, I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> Nancy's like, did you see anything? And he's like, no, I just heard that. And it was real weird. And Nancy's like, yeah, the, the thing about this book and the, like the further we get into the book, like the first few things you're like, oh, that's cute. But the further you get into it, I'm like, is somebody working out some civil war shit? Cause a lot of these books feel like that's the thing that's happening. A lot of them. And at this point, maybe that is, maybe that really is what's going on. If we're talking 1960 now, we're talking like, uh, Korea's basically, the Korea conflict is basically over. We're talking about Vietnam, which again is going to be a thing that Nancy Drew books absolutely do not discuss. Um, we're past World War II, like significantly, so that's not going to be a thing on the table. But a lot of the stuff honestly feels like we're looking back at Civil War era stuff, like especially in the first books. But anyway, so they go tour the dungeon. Um, all of them go. And I think it's. I think it's Bert because he's being a little asshole, um, is in one of the cells with Bess and it looks like one of the big group cells, maybe like it would have been a larger one for holding multiple prisoners and he fucking locks her in there. Like they're in there with flashlights and he's like, she's like, Oh, let's look around. And so they do. And then he like leaves first and then like locks her in there. And Bess, when she sees that she's been locked into a fucking prison cell in a haunted, um, dungeon is like, well, fuck you, buddy. And so she just, she's like, he wants me to freak out. You know what, bitch? I'm not going to freak out, you little piece of shit. Because she knows that he's going to come back. Like, yeah. Which, again, in a different book, I could have, I would have expected that to go differently. But anyway, so Bess thoroughly searches while he's gone. And she finds, like, what looks like a wooden block under a bench. And she's like, that's strange. So whenever he comes back, he's like, oh, Bess, I bet you missed this. And she's like, you know what, you little shit? I found a clue. So suck it. So they come into the cell. And I think Nancy and Ned are... I think that they actually tell Nancy to sit this one out. Because, again, she just got fucking burned. And they're like, maybe, maybe chill. So I think the boys actually get the wooden block out from under the bench. And it, like, fucking explodes outwards and sends all of them reeling. And they're all like, well, we're going to be bruised up later. But but that's the extent of it. And it's a secret tunnel that leads out. And they go down the secret tunnel and they find some shelves that have been hidden. And they're like, yeah, okay, this is all tracking. Makes sense, makes sense. Um, So that would be how somebody would be, like, leaving the prison block. But anyway, so they're like, okay, okay, we've learned a lot. Then they get, I can't remember exactly what it is, but Nancy's like, okay, so whoever's behind all this shit has been like two steps ahead of us. So she suggests that they sneak out, that she and Ned sneak out, go to the next place, go to the place with all the skulls and like, see if they can catch the people that they're trying to catch before they know that they're gone. And so... Um, everyone at the hotel's like, yeah, that sounds great. And like, you guys should do that. So, and they're like, just have a big party and no one will know we're gone. Because again, there's like 14 of us. It's a ridiculous number. So they sneak out in like a panel truck, um, under some laundry. Um, <laughs> anyway, so they're talking to the guy who's taking them out there and they're like, okay, give us two hours and then come back. As soon as they leave, 
Um, there's a note that comes through for Nancy and George is like, well, you know what? Fuck it. I know it's for her, but I'm going to open it. And it's like, the, the, the highways are dangerous for you. Stay off the highways. And George is like, well, shit, what should we do? So they're like, well, clearly Nancy's being threatened. So they go and they're in the truck and somebody is following the truck. And so the guy is like, okay, let me just pull off up here and see what happens. So he pulls off the car, passes them and then comes back. And Nancy and that are like, oh shit. And it's the cops. Um, the cops are like, Hey, we were looking for a stolen truck. And he's like, yeah, it's not me, but I've got some people in here. And they're like, tell us more about these human beings that you're smuggling. He's like, no, no, it's fine. So they tell the cops about it and the cops are like, okay, well you you go about your business, which again, only Nancy Drew would be allowed to do. Like I'm going to sink into a house full of skulls. Like also skulls but anyway um so yeah they go up to the house and they knock on the door and the person who answers it looks super surly and i was like that i that feels legitimate if i had to be a butler for a house full of skulls first off the answer would be no second i would be surly as hell if i were held captive of that house so the guy who answers is like who are you and nancy's like i'm nancy drew and i'm here to see the guy who owns this house because reasons and he's like i'll be right back so then he goes and Finally, he lets them in, but in the meantime, the person in the panel truck gets pulled over and hijacked, so that's fun. Okay, so actually, it was four of them, and I think that it was Nancy, it was definitely Nancy and Ned, and I think it was also Helen and Jim, who decided to go with them to the scary skull house. Um, yeah, because again, you got 14 people in your group, so it's fine if you lose a few members. Um, so eventually, the surly butler lets them inside, and he's like, yeah, look around at all these skulls, and Nancy's like, yeah, this is pretty weird. And, like, Helen's like, I, this this is all just fucking creepy as shit. Some of the skulls have little light bulbs where their eyes should be, and they blink, and it's fucking weird as shit. It's like if the Haunted Mansion had zero sense of fun about itself. Um, they go into this one room, and it's the one with the manta ray, and the manta ray has two lights that look like eyes on it, and it looks super creepy, and Nancy's like, yeah, it's called a devil ray. It's fine. Um, and then the butler is like, yeah, um, you can, we've got dinosaur skeletons as well. And Nancy's like, dinosaur skeletons? And he's like, yeah, we got a diplodocus. And I was like, oh, they did exist in 1969 because I refuse to believe that there were more than three dinosaurs before like the year 2020, but it's fine. Um, he's like, yeah, we've got, we've got skulls and they've got full ass skeletons wired up to the walls. I'm going to pause here. How where where did they come from where did these fucking skeletons come from because again there's a lot of colonialist shit that can be folded up in this were they used for a medical experimentation were they like corpses that were dug up after they had been interred um are these the skeletons of people who are from outside the united states that you just brought back here lots of questions also dinosaur how big is your house anyway so it's it's just real real bad they they appear to be genuine skulls like why and i think that best is like yeah i ain't fucking going in that house like you can just go straight to hell why would i go in a house full of skulls and i was like that's yeah that would have been my reaction as well (laughs) at all times i am the best of the group so anyway so nancy and ned and helen and jim were walking around the house looking at the scary skeletons. He's like, yeah, we've got dinosaurs in the basement. And so, of course, like, they're like, yeah, okay. And so, dude, like, leads them into, he's like, they're in cages. And Nancy's like, why the fuck would the skeletons be in cages? But they are actually in cages. And so, he's like, come get a closer look at this one. And, of course, like, locks the door behind him. So, they're locked into a cage with a giant dinosaur skeleton. I say giant. I, it's it's of, of substantial size, apparently. Um, so the butler's like, ah, ha, ha, because of course it's been Elrond the whole time. Um, and he's like, yeah, and stay out or whatever the fuck. And then he leaves and Nancy's like, yeah, we got to find a way out of here. So they do find a loose panel and Ned goes through it, but they can hear the butler coming back and Nancy's like, okay, the three of us need to stay here and like basically pretend that we're all here. And so Ned can go through and see what's there. So Ned goes through the tunnel, and he's like, uh, there's no way out over here, but there is a way for us to, like, go down this other passageway. So they do find a way to get out, and the next time the butler comes in, they get him into the cage and lock him in. Bitch! And then they go up to the room with the manta ray because they're hearing a voice coming from the manta ray, and they're like, yeah, this is fucked up. And it's apparently like a walkie-talkie. 
And Ned finds a little switch on it, and they're like, report! And he's like, yes, or whatever. And they're like, okay, we're going to be there in like 10 minutes. And Ned's like, yeah. Or anyway, it's just such bullshit. The entire gang is meeting at the house. So, um, the cops have shown up by this point because, again, the guy in the panel truck, they were like, yeah, this sounds all fishy. So, the cops have shown up. They found the guy in the panel truck after he'd been abducted and hijacked. Um, the guy who owns the house apparently is deaf as hell and did not have his, his little hearing aids in. And so, he had no idea what was going on. And they were like, yeah, your butler's an asshole. And he was like, no. And they're like, yeah, he's 100% an asshole. I, I thought that the butler had been murdered and somebody had just been impersonating him. But no, apparently the butler was just like, I've had it up to here with these skulls and just snapped and decided that he was going to join a gang of, of villains. Again, understandable. Anyway, so um, the gang all comes in. They go to the scary manta ray room um, and it's the seance lady and the couple that they've been looking for, and, like, two other people, and they all just have, like, a little villain breakdown, where they're like, here's all the money I got from selling the stolen shells, and, um, I can't believe the two lost Nancy Drew's boyfriend, and they're like, we're really sorry, we threw him in the back of the car, but he got out, and we'll get him back, and they're, like, going through all of their, they're just doing a little, like, a little Zoom meeting full of, except for they're in person, full of just all their villainy, it's like if the Scientologists were like, how much money have you made today by just trying to shill Scientology? How many of Elrond's books have you sold? We're just going to go down the list and make sure you've made your commission. So, like, they just report everything. And so then the cops come in and they're like, ha ha! And they're like, damn, you caught us. And that's it! Like, that's how they get caught. And it's, it's just such... Yeah. So, yeah, they wanted to basically haunt places to get the people to sell. So, the the lake property is, like, a really nice property. So, it would make sense for them to, like, haunt and attempt to buy that one. Um, the seance lady, apparently her... Bro- anyway, it's her family members who are involved in this scheme. And so... Nancy's like, what What was the thing about your papers? And she was like, no, that was real. Like, I wanted you to keep my papers. And Nancy was like, why the fuck did you want me to keep your papers? Like, I don't, I don't understand. And she said, my family members had robbed me blind and had basically, like, made me do this scheme with them. And I knew that if my papers were with you, that at least they wouldn't be able to get to that and find out more information. Which, at one point, like, Nancy does glance through the papers, and so she does see that there's some some communication between. But she's like, yeah, I'm not supposed to be doing this. But, yeah, so the woman's like, please keep them for me, and when I get out of prison, like, I'll, I will be really grateful. And Nancy's like, well, shit. Because <laughs> she goes with them. She goes with the police. She's not like, I'm innocent. I never did this. She was like, yeah, I was, basically, this was... I didn't want to do all this, but this is what they wanted us to do. And uh, and Nancy's like, well, shit. Um, I don't know why the fuck they were at the... I get, It seemed like they were just into the idea of having hotels or inns. Um, it was the same thing at the, the other place. Like, they had a horse balloon that they were trying to scare people with. They just were trying to scare people into selling. They were trying to make the properties undesirable and sell and then buy them at a low price and then like operate them. But one thing that they do did find, and I can't remember like, Oh, I think it was when they went to that shack and they found that thing, it looked like a life size, like ventriloquist dummy. Like it was, or a marionette. Um, the cops do tell Nancy that apparently that had like a rudimentary, system in it so that it could like walk around kind of jerkily and also deliver a karate chop and nancy was like son of a bitch a robot and again like if you remember there have been multiple books with this kind of thing where it's like a life-sized robot like or like not an android but like basically like an automaton that like apparently harriet stratemeyer adams was super fucking into so so yeah and i was like all this bitch had to do was, like, sell some of this shit. Like, he had everything that he needed, and instead he's like, I'm going to use this to scare people so that they will let me buy their property. I, It was like maybe he didn't have confidence in his own inventions. I don't know. It's just it's so strange. Like, it feels like there would be another, a really interesting side to this story where he's like, 
forced into this and it's very much like no i'm just just a straight up ass villain just a straight up villain um the old guy that was in the cabin that bounced that check he was in on it too like yeah so yeah and that's the end of it um everybody's fine um nancy's arm was burned but she's gonna be fine um bess escaped from that weird prison cell it's fine um and they had a good old ghost hunting adventure where they ripped those masks off and found those villains so good job all around the skulls the skulls the skull is one of the skulls is actually depicted on the cover of this if i'm not mistaken like i feel like there's some skulls on the mantelpiece and then you've got the the manta ray which has the weird eyes on it like it's so fucking weird it's it's like you're and again the canoes so many questions about how this worked so many but it's fine i'm I'm just imagining harry stratomire adams being like yes all you do is attach a small device to any sort of vehicle and it will go and i'm like that's not how physics works but okay hon okay it's cool so what have we learned um as usual Nancy gets absolutely fucking frantic when Ned is kidnapped or when he vanishes or when he appears to be in peril. Like, and I, that is consistent across the books. And I love that it's very much like Nancy becomes Liam Neeson and Taken where she's like, I'm going to fuck all your shit up until you give him back. Like she gets real, real mad. And I love it. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving the level of violence that she's like, you give me that precious man back because he is adorable and he doesn't deserve this. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, it's just so fucking weird. It's just, and I also feel like maybe the person who outlined this was like, yeah, I don't think that we can like stretch out one haunting to an entire book. So let's just, let's just throw in five various random things. And yeah, because we've done this before, we've done Ghost of Blackwood Hall, where it was like, this place is being haunted for many reasons. You've got to, you got to stretch that story out. You, you know, you got the one with the dancing puppet, which is a similar thing, except for it's a dancing puppet instead of a ghost. Um, of course, there's Lilac Inn, where you've got something similar happening. So yeah, Nancy investigating hauntings and knowing that it's going to be a human brain, being behind it the whole time, Elrond, Elronding. Yeah, so there's that. And again, it does have the same feel of this type of villain who has an uncomplicated, just wanting, just avarice, just wanting to make money is the entire point of these things. So, yeah. Next time, we're going to be doing The Mysterious Mannequin. Which, yeah, I've I've got a bad feeling about that. I just looked at the cover and I was like, oh no. Oh, I'm I'm sensing some colonialism that's just impending, just about to happen. This one is gonna be in 1970. The other thing about this, um The Invisible Intruder is book 46. We're gonna be going through book 56. So actually, like, we've only got 10 books left. I don't know how to feel about it. Like I I love that we've gone through this journey together and that we're we're not super close to the ending, but the ending is approaching. And I mean, the files are going to go on for the rest of your human days. You need to understand that. But like, yeah, we've got just a few books left in the original series that would have ended like late 70s. And then that's going to be it for the original mystery stories. We can talk about digest books, and again, my collection of those is not as thorough, and I don't love the books as much. No judgment. Seriously, no judgment. It's just that I just, they have a different feel to them, a different vibe. Um, and there are ones I'm going to be doing in that set, like I said, like um, Flying Saucer Mystery, which is absolutely bonkers, and probably the Blackbeard Room, which is going to make me want to set shit on fire. But yeah, so we'll be talking about that. And also, I need to do Silent Witness, which I really, really enjoyed. I remember really, really liking that one. So, anyway. Next time, Mysterious Mannequin. Excited for all of us to see how this is going to play out. Will the mannequin be an automaton? Almost certainly. We're also going to be hitting um, the Crooked Bannister soon, which has one of the most weird, iconic covers of the Nancy Drew series because it's like the hottest of pinks. But um, we're doing fairly standard covers for these. So until next time, stay sleuthy, my friends.